Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Now let's listen to Pastor Dave Crocker. Well, today we... Uh, we're launching uh, a new series that uh, I, I've mentioned a little bit before, and that's uh, the title of the series is called How to Neighbour. We, uh, we launched a, a theme for 2016, which was Live Loud. And the idea is about living lives that display the reality of God and the transformation that, that's taken place in our lives. Because a, as Christians, we're supposed to be different. You know that, right? We're saved by grace, compelled by the love of a father. We're renewed, cleansed, forgiven, we're set free. We have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. We have holy scriptures written by man, inspired by God and relevant today. We have the example of generations of believers. We have martyrs who are so convinced and convicted about the reality of who God is that they'd rather give their lives than renounce their faith. Sacrifices have been made so that we can have a translation of the Bible in our own language and and many languages around the world. This very day, thousands will be tortured or killed because they're believers. People will be imprisoned because they're a believer in a country where Christianity is illegal. People will be disavowed from their family because... They've chosen to be a follower of the ways of Jesus rather than continuing on their family religion. Today, people are praying passionately, giving sacrificially, believing in faith. Some will be healed, restored, set free from addiction, experiencing breakthrough, some believing for the very first time. Today, people will be baptised, communion will be shared, messages will be spoken, prayers will be prayed. The good news of Jesus Christ is that he came to seek and save the lost. He broke the power of sin and defeated death. He overcame an enemy hell-bent on your destruction. He died and rose again that we may know forgiveness of our sins and eternal life. Yet with all of that, with an incredible faith that, that we have to hold on to, All that's perhaps happened in your life, all of your experience, all that that you've known and and seen about the things of God. Sometimes it's hard for anyone to know that we're different. To know that we're His. We can live in God, but sometimes not for Him. We can be good people, but not demonstrate God. It's a question that's been asked so many times, but it may be helpful in context of this series. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would the case be dismissed? So today I want to start a a new series, How to Neighbour. I want to look at how we can show love to those around us. How we we can neighbour those who are different to us. 
Over the next three weeks, there's three topics I'm going to look at. Racism removed, the poor empowered and the lonely loved. Today I want to start with a big topic, a very important topic. I want to talk about the idea of racism. It's not something I've ever spoken on before and, and I want to start by acknowledging that I actually have a fairly limited perspective of this. Uh, apart from a bit of jovial banter about coming from New Zealand and our love of sheep, I really haven't experienced a, a whole lot of racism directed toward me. But it's with a pure heart this morning that I come and, and I share about this issue because I believe as followers of Jesus, we need to be leading the way in this issue. You know, it's easy, it's easy for us to immediately think, well, I'm not racist. And, and on, on the whole, that is probably true. But I think there are some, some broad principles that, as I've been preparing this message, I've found really challenging. And, and I want to encourage you to have an open mind about things this morning. I'm going to open up with a text, which is actually an encounter that, that Jesus had with a, a guy in the Bible. And... He tells a story that speaks to this topic of, of how to neighbour. It also deals with racism. It's a passage that we've, uh, I've used a few times here. It's probably one of my favourite passages to preach on. And if you've got your Bibles, you want to follow along, we're in uh, Luke chapter 10. There's this encounter with an expert of the law. This, this guy comes to Jesus and he says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus is uh, Jesus and, and doesn't always do the expected thing. And he answers the question with a question. He says, what does the law say? And, and this uh, man, uh, he, he's probably feeling pretty good about things at this point. He's an expert of the law. And Jesus has asked him a law-related question. He says, what's written in the law? And the guy says, well, it says to love God with all your mind, with all your heart, soul and strength. To love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus says, that's exactly right. You've nailed it. Now, now go and do that. Live that and you're all good. And, and, and I, can, I can see that the guy, he's, he's in the moment and, and he's, he's been affirmed by Jesus. He's, he's, Jesus asked him a question and he's got the answer right. Like, that's pretty cool. When, when we do... Bible trivia, we know that the answer is always Jesus, but when Jesus is giving the question, it's a different answer, and this guy in front of anyone else that was there will be feeling really good about himself, but, but he, he wants a follow-up question. He wants to, to clarify, wants to, to, to know uh, exactly the bounds of, of what he is, is to do and not do. He wants a box that he can live in and he wants to justify himself a little bit because he probably knows that he hasn't been the, the best neighbour. He probably hasn't loved people quite as well as he could. And, and so he, he, he follows up with Jesus and he, and he says, but Jesus, who's my neighbour? What a great question to ask of Jesus. And he's sitting there, and I can almost imagine some of the things going through his head. He says, am I supposed to love people who listen to country music, Jesus? Because I listen to real music. How can I possibly love people who listen to country music? Jesus, 
I know I'm supposed to love my neighbour, but but what about... You, mate, we're on the same wavelength here, Jesus, because, you know, I'm an expert in the law and, and, and you've asked the law question. I'm so glad that uh, things are going well with this dialogue right now, but there's this guy that lives down the street. He looks a little bit different to us. He, he comes from a, a different place. Am I supposed to love him? Jesus, I'm educated. I, I, I've... I've got this fantastic training that I've been through, but not everybody is educated. What about those that, that aren't educated? Do you still have to love those kind of people? Look, Jesus, my life's pretty comfortable. Got a bunch of money, things are happy. Do I have to love people who are poor? Jesus, who exactly do I have to love? What about people with, with weird haircuts and, and piercings and tattoos and, and, and the way they treat Jesus? Do I have to love those people? What about New Zealanders? Do I have to love those people? And what's interesting, and, and if you know this passage, you, you, you'll know where I'm going with this, is Jesus doesn't ask, actually answer the question at all, who is his neighbour? Jesus seldom answers the question that's been asked because usually the question that's been asked is not really the question that should have been asked. And, and there's a lesson in that for us when we go to God, ask good questions. If you're going to have a conversation, a dialogue with God, ask good questions. And, and so Jesus doesn't say, this is your neighbour. Jesus is just going to go ahead and assume everybody's your neighbour. And then he's going to begin to show you how to neighbour. So this is the story he tells the Jewish guy walking along the road, minding his own business. He's, he's having a, a, a great time. He's on his way to a, a long weekend. Uh, like the half of the church that he's part of, they've all gone away. And, and, and he, he's, he's heading away and he's got his bag packed and he, he's got his uh, iPhone 7, brand new one, by the way, and he's listening to the music and, and, and he's having a great time. And as he's walking, well, it doesn't quite say that in the Bible, but I'm preaching from the, the new made-up translation this morning. And... Uh, Poetic license, and he's walking along, and and some robbers jump out and, and begin to uh, beat the snot out of him, and uh, and they steal his brand new phone, which he's pretty upset about, and, and they take his money, and they leave him bleeding and beaten in the ditch. Possibly not an uncommon thing in, in that part of the world. Jesus is telling the story, and then he goes now. There were three guys that, that were coming past, and the first guy was a priest. And the priest begins to, to walk past, and, and, and he looks at, at the, the man that's there, and, and he decides that he really shouldn't get involved, that he's a priest. And, and for him to touch someone who was unclean would mean that he was unclean. Now, because the guy was beaten and, and bleeding, he, he was unclean. So if this priest... Had, had got down in the ditch and helped him, it would have possibly stuffed up his plans for the day. He, he would have had to go through the process of becoming ceremonially clean himself again. And he thought, I just can't do that. And so he walks along. The next guy that comes past, he's, he's a Jew as well, as well. He's a Levite. Now, now the Levite, uh, the tribe of Levi, a little bit different to the, to the other tribes of 
of Israel, they're, they're the, the priestly tribe, they're the tribe that, that carries out the religious functions, they've got some political responsibilities as well, uh, they, they don't uh, necessarily work, the other tribes uh, pay a tithe to them so that they can mediate between God on their behalf, and so the Levite's walking past and he takes a look at this guy and he does exactly what the priest has done, he carries on by. And then Jesus says three words. Three little words. But it would have been jaw-droppingly shocking to the audience that were listening. This is something about, about parables that I haven't brought out very much in the past. I had a whole series on parables last year and, and I didn't really talk about this. But when Jesus gave a parable or told a story, it wasn't to entertain the masses. It wasn't because it's a good preaching trick to, to get people to like you and listen. It was because he was trying to shock them. He was confronting them with something that would shift their thinking in some way. There, there's always something, something shocking about a, a parable to the listener. And Jesus says three words. But a Samaritan. Now, Samaritan begins to walk by now, that might not mean a whole lot to you if you've been here for a while. You probably know a bit of the background of the Samaritans. But the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. And the Samaritan looked at the guy in the gutter, in the ditch. He stopped, got off his donkey, went over, bandaged his wounds. The Bible says he put oil and and a wine on it, so he was he was cleaning and, and preparing uh, the wounds. He dressed him, put him on a donkey, took him to an inn, and he paid uh, for all of the, the treatment that this man would need, and he incurred debt on behalf of this man. If, if there's any more expense when I come back, I, I'll make it right. And that was so shocking because for 700 years, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. Uh, the Jewish nation was, uh, was conquered at one point and, and the people went on exile. They were, they were taken away from their lands, but a remnant, a, a small group were left behind and, and other people came into those cities and, and the Jewish people that were left behind began to marry these people from other nations. And not only did they have from, uh, were from other nations, but they had their own gods and, and, and their idols. And, and this Jewish uh, group uh, intermarried and so their kids were, were now a mixed race and there was all this uh, worship of other gods and idols going on and, and, and when the, the Jews came back they realised what had been taking place and there was a deep seated hatred of those people that they are now called Samaritans so the Samaritans do what any uh, person that's been hated on does, they just turn around and hate right back you don't like us, we don't like you we'll, we'll, we'll be real clear about that so for 700 years they hated each other a, a Jew would often avoid walking around Samaria. They would take days out of their way to go from one part or across the, the River Jordan, re walk up, recross it and come back. Just wouldn't even walk through. That's how deep the hatred went. But a Samaritan man went to help a Jewish victim. Dr Martin Luther King says this in, in probably his most famous speech, he said that the first question that the priest and the Levite asked, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Samaritan man flipped that question around and he said, if I don't stop 
and help this man, what will happen to him? Isn't that the heart of the gospel right there? Loving others, even if they're different from us, some would argue especially if they're different from us. What must I do to inherit eternal life was the the thing that started this whole dialogue. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbour as yourself. Man by the name of Dennis Leary says this. He says, racism isn't born. It's taught. There's no racist gene. Don't know if you've realised that. If you've had, ever had a, a two-year-old, you'll know that two-year-olds only hate one thing, naps. They don't hate the guy down the road because he looks different, sounds different, dresses different, smells different, has a different coloured skin. We're not born that way. We learn that behaviour somewhere along the line. We learn what that is as life progresses. We, we somehow grow racist or prejudiced over time. And I see three reasons why that might, might happen. First one is perhaps we've been the victim of hatred. Perhaps someone has, has said or done or treated you in a particular way because of, of who you are and, and of, of, of the difference that, that perhaps you have. And I know that I'm speaking to a predominantly uh, white congregation this morning, not all thankfully, but, but predominantly white. But, but we, as, as white people, can face racism and prejudice just as much as others, perhaps not so much in this nation. But Perhaps someone you love has been mistreated. So as a result of that, we begin to hate back. We do what the Jews and Samaritans did. You don't like me, so I don't like you. Second thing I reckon that shakes us up is we're taught to be racist. Growing up in the families that we grow up on, you know, you might hear things like, well, we don't hang around with those kind of people. We don't trust them. We don't go to that part of town. It's taught. Tended down from generation to generation. And the third reason, perhaps, is ignorance. There's a lack of perspective, a lack of exposure. They're different to me. I don't quite understand it, so I just don't like them. No matter what the reason, we have to recognise something. And if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, I talk about taking notes all the time, I want you to write this down. This is really important. Racism is not a skin issue. Racism is a sin issue. Say it again. Racism is not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. James chapter 2 and verse 9 says, but if you favour some people over others, you're committing a sin. You're guilty of breaking the law. And that that's passage and context is talking about uh, the, the church in particular. And it said if someone comes in and, and they're fancy clothes and you give them a seat of honour up the front and, and someone else comes in and, and they're poor and you make them sit at the back, you've treated someone different based on, on their status, it's sin. You have to call it what it is. I'm sorry if this message is hard and and confronting this morning. I hope it is. So I'm not sorry, really. 
It's not right before God. And it shouldn't be right before us. And, and this is what takes something like this from just being an issue about racism to a much broader issue. Anytime we treat someone poorly because they're different to us, it's sin. And so this raises a, a, a bigger question, and, and as Jesus followers, how are we called to love our neighbours? So Jesus says we need to love our neighbours. If, if racism is an issue, if treating people different because of who they are or where they're from is an issue, how do we go about loving our neighbour? This is what the, the, this whole series will really be about. So this morning I, I want to raise three important issues and with God's help we will get this right. We will learn how to love our neighbours better. So with God's help and being honest and sincere and transparent we need to recognise our prejudices. That's just really difficult to do. You can stare in a mirror and not see the things that inform your worldview or shape the way you think. We don't recognise the way we respond or what's perhaps going on in the background. It's so hard to see in our own lives. We can recognise it in someone else pretty quick. We're good at that. But when it comes to realising what's going on in your life, it's really difficult to see. We might even feel like we're justified in believing what we believe or acting in the way we act. Even if our prejudice mindset or a racist attitude isn't intentional, it can still be real and it's still sinful. The pastor told a story of a time that he had moved to a new church in a new city moved into a new house and, and he didn't know anybody. He's out there mowing the lawns and, and someone comes out of one of the, the houses down the road and says, how much do you charge to mow your lawns? What do you see there? It's accidental racism. He didn't mean to, but based on the colour of that pastor's skin, he made a judgement. No one has ever stopped me to ask me how much I charge to mow lawns. Hey, white guy, what do you charge to mow lawns? It doesn't happen. Yet, we're so quick to make assumptions or judgments on other people. We have to call it what it is. It's wrong, it's prejudiced, it's judgmental, it's racist, and it's just plain rude. So if you're taking notes this morning, this is what prejudice means. Quite simple, it won't come as a shock to you. It means prejudging. It's a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. We make a judgment. We look at someone and we judge them. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really quick at doing this. I, I, I think we, we want to work out really quick where we stand, right? 
So you, you get into a new environment, you're meeting someone new, you want to know where, where you, you rate relative to them. Am, am, I, am I higher on the pecking order, the hierarchy? Am I lower? Are we at the same level? Where, where am I? Where do I sit in this particular interaction? And if you had the courage to be honest this morning, perhaps you'd have to admit that you were raised perhaps with some type of prejudice. We're sinful people. Our parents were sinful people. And we, in so many ways, are the product of the house that we grew up in, our family of origin. And some of the stuff that we say and that we do and the way that we act and interact, we're not always aware of that. But it's there. My father was incredibly prejudiced. Anyone that was different to him was, was a target. The messages reinforced in, in my, my childhood were not good. Now, racism is rife in New Zealand, as it is here in Australia. We live in, in a nation that, that's incredibly multicultural. But if you are lucky enough to travel, you'll discover that the whole world is like that. That the, the divide between uh, nations is very fluid right now. For the majority of people in this room, you were born in Australia. You didn't have a, a choice about that. You, you were born here. But there are others that have chosen to live here. There are people in this room, me included, that have made a choice to live in this nation, this beautiful and blessed land. In my case, not so much because I'm not an Australian citizen yet. But some yet, but some choose to become Australian citizens. They're not less of an Australian than the rest of us. Maybe they're, they're new. They've only been here a handful of years. But that's what the world looks like now. It's just so diverse. Maybe you grew up with some prejudices thinking things like, heavy people are just so lazy. Or the younger generation, they just don't know how to work. Or old people are useless, they can't teach you anything. It's not true, is it, Pat? <laughs> White guys can't jump. It's not true, I can dunk a basketball. I don't know what it is, what the attitude or the belief that you grew up in is, but I guarantee you grew up thinking certain things about certain people. And we have to have the courage, church, to acknowledge it, to admit it, and say, maybe I am prejudiced. If you've ever said, I'm not racist, but there's never, ever, anything good that comes after that statement. You are racist and there's nothing, 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 nothing that you can say after that sentence that isn't going to be racially loaded. Look, I'm as guilty of this as anybody else in this room. I found preparing this message incredibly challenging. As I stopped and thought about my own life and, and my own actions and, and the things that, that, that I've said and, 
and, and the way that I've perhaps treated other people. Now, if I'm driving, and if you ever want to know where your weaknesses are in your character, just go for a drive in traffic. And someone does something stupid in front of me. Often the first thought in my head is, must be a Chinese driver. Or, you're laughing because you know it's true in your own mind. Or, blokes, let's be honest, flipping female drivers. Or, old people. Or the worst possible combination on the planet, an old Chinese woman. We go there so quickly. And I'm having to pull myself up on it. Because I don't want my kids to carry the prejudice that I perhaps carry in my life. And I'm doing my best to recognise it and see it for what it is and call it sin. Gee, it's hard. But it has to happen. Second thing we need to do is we need to seek to understand other people. Look, I, like I said, I, I've got a very limited perspective on this. I have worked uh, in New Zealand in the social services area with, with youth work and I, I taught on biculturalism and how uh, the, the Treaty of Waitangi and all the, the New Zealand stuff works together and, and helping uh, predominantly white middle-class youth workers get a, a broader perspective. So I have got some insight there, but I've never had to deal with, with racism personally. And so for me, part of it is, is having conversations with people perhaps that have. Maybe someone you know has had to deal with racism. Guarantee you there'll be people in this church that have had to deal with it. How about you have a conversation with them, what it was like for them? Because maybe if you understand that in someone you care about, you'll stop and think before you treat someone else that you don't know like that. So as Jesus followers, first we're going to seek to recognise prejudice. Second thing we're going to do is seek to understand those who might be different. If you're taking notes, the third thing this morning is we're going to love those who are different from us. Alison, can we put that slide up? Keith, can you... Kill the, kill the lights just a, a little bit, just so we can see that. Right. Is anyone brave want to tell me what they think is going on in that photo? Yeah, yes, Neil. If you know it, keep your mouth shut. I think you know it. Good man. We'll soon find out. Anyone else want to have a, a, a guess of what might be happening? What does it look like is happening? You're all too scared to say anything now in case I call you racist. Okay. Just holding his hands. That is a, a young uh, lady. Oh, I just forgot her name. I knew her name. Um, where is it? Keisha Thomas. It's a really famous photo. You can turn the light back on now. This photo was taken in 1996. There was a, a rally in America. The Ku Klux Klan had decided they were going to go on a march. So they began walking down the street and a whole bunch of people 
uh, had heard about that and decided that they were going to protest against this march. The police, being clever, realised this is a, a, an ignition point for some serious trouble, and they created a human barricade. That particular man managed to infiltrate the other side, except he was wearing a Confederate flag T-shirt and he had, uh, he had uh, white supremacist tattoos on his arms, and he was recognised. And the group think took place and a whole bunch of people started yelling, kill the Nazi, kill the Nazi. And they started beating on him. And this girl jumped on top of him to protect him from the blows. 18-year-old Keisha Thomas. On any other day, that man probably would want to have done harm to that girl. What would compel an 18-year-old black girl to throw herself on top of someone who hated her to protect her from people that were assaulting him and put herself at risk? What kind of person does that? Well, I'm going to tell you what kind of person does that, a committed Christian. Keisha Thomas, in interviews later, talked about the reason that she did that is her faith. She's a committed Catholic Christian. She said this, and I'm going to read it. It's a direct quote. I knew what it was like to be hurt. The many times that it happened, I wished someone would have stood up for me. What did this brave girl do? She walked across the road, got in the ditch, the man that was beaten and bleeding. She was a neighbour. She loved someone else enough to go out of her way at expense to her to do something about it. That's how you neighbour. That's what it is to be a neighbour. We show the love of Jesus wherever we find ourselves and whatever situation is happening is going on. Keisha now has... Uh, a, a national platform. She, she speaks on racism and, and reconciliation. And she says this. It's really interesting. You don't have to do like big things to show love to people. She says the biggest thing you can do is just be kind to another human being. It can come down to eye contact or a smile. It doesn't have to be a huge monumental act. It's just showing love. It's decency, it's honour, it's respect, it's consideration. It's treating another human being like a human being. Worship team, you come join me. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Racism isn't just the presence of hatred. It's the absence of love. It, it's not saying necessarily I hate you. It's choosing not to show that you love them. How's the world going to know that we're followers of Jesus? It's not how many times you come to church in a year. It's not the amount of money you give in offerings. It's not 
hitting the pasta with a music stand. I'm glad I moved when I did. Way to kill a moment. <laughs> it, it's not whether you lead a small group. How will the world know that we are his? They will know that you're mine if you love one another. It's the only way that we can break the power of racism and prejudice when we learn to love others. That's how we be a neighbour. That's how we get past the colour of the skin, the amount of money in a bank account, country someone was born in, the, the job that they do. We love other people. It sounds so simple, but gosh, it's challenging. And we've got to be honest and we've got to do an inward journey and recognise the language that we use or the way that we react and call it when we see it. That's wrong. I shouldn't have done that. The first part of being able to make that kind of change is recognising it in your life. God, I, I don't really know what to say more than help. God, I pray that we will be a church that knows what it is to love anybody and everybody. That this would be a place free of prejudice, free of hierarchy. But God, we would see each other as people. God, help us, I pray, to recognise it in our lives. Help us to be honest and transparent. God, help us to be a neighbour. Help us to be the Samaritan man across the road to get in the ditch at our cost. God, I thank you for people like Keisha Thomas who show us the way. God, may we be that to other people. People that show the way. In our church, there's no such thing as different races. We're all the same. It's called the human race. And that's as far as the distinction should go. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org.